0: Welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams, and I'm going to be honest with you. This uh, intro and episode has been pre-recorded. It's set to air so close to my due date and the same week as my third child, Josie's birthday. So I wasn't really sure (laughs) where I would be right now. Um, So this is pre-recorded. So go check out my Instagram, Amosas with Moms, to see if I finally had this baby yet or if he's still hanging out on the inside. Um, But nonetheless, I'm excited to welcome today's guest. I am welcoming Dr. Heather McGuire from the Prism Parenting Podcast. Uh, Dr. Heather McGuire has her doctorate in educational psychology She is a credentialed school psychologist and has over 10 years of experience working with parents and educators on topics such as defiance, how to motivate your child, picky eating, sleep issues, and homework. I wish I could have talked to her about all of these things because I think all of us, you know, need them. (laughs) They're all useful, but you can find them on her podcast and on her website, um, Today she's here to talk to us about picky eaters. I know a lot of us struggle with the picky eaters. How do we kind of curb this? How do we manage our expectations? So she is here to share some of that insight. But be sure to check her out on Prism Parenting podcast and her website prismbehavior.com. So let's get started. Cheers. Cheers.
1: So Heather, welcome. Thank you so much Hi. for joining me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Heather, tell me a little
1: bit about yourself. Yeah, well, uh most importantly, I have two kids. Yeah. Um, so Landon is almost nine. He turns nine in January and he's yeah. in third grade. And then I have a daughter, Addison. So Addie is in the first grade. She's six. Yeah. And yeah, so I have two kids, and then I've been married to my husband, Nate, for 14 years. We got married when we were babies, I like to say. <laughs> right out of college. Um, And then more professionally, um, so I am a professor. I teach grad school at a local university. So that's what I do full time. And then kind of- I loved
0: grad school.
1: Oh, good. It's like a totally
0: different like ball game than your undergrad.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I felt like very,
0: yeah, I felt very like connected to my professors. Like I still
1: am I consider them like friends now that I'm yeah, graduated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually am in kind of a unique position too because yeah. I teach. So I have a doctorate in educational psychology. But yeah. I, uh, m- through my master's program, I teach in the program I went to. So um, some of my colleagues were my professors. Which that's is so cool. So they're like your mentors that yes. are now like friends. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. That that's been fun for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, So, yeah. And I have um, a podcast too, uh, which is how we connected. So, my podcast is Prism Parenting. And so, I have a parenting podcast too. And then um, my website is Prism Behavior.
0: And kind of tell us how Prism Behavior and the podcast
1: were born. Yeah. So, When I was in grad school so um I'm a certified behavior analyst and I, yeah. a lot of people don't know what that is but I um you know I'm trained to work with kids on the spectrum Mm -hmm. And um, so when I was in grad school, um, you know, I would tell people, oh, you know, I'm getting certified in behavior analysis. I'm becoming a BCBA, board certified behavior analyst. And people are like, what is that? And, (laughs) you know, and so I would talk about the work I would do with families. And they're like, oh, well, my kid doesn't have autism, but can you help me with like X, Y, or Z? And, And so, but what I found was that so much of what was out there for parents it really was just grounded in people's opinions yeah. rather than evidence-based research, and so I kind of like that was when the idea kind of sparked in my head about reaching parents and giving them tools um, that were that were based on you know evidence, but and you know research, but weren't you know I, I'm trying to I try to approach it at a, a very pragmatic, practical, and not boring <laughs> way. So that was kind of how Prism started.
0: Yeah. And so you're helping parents with what kind of
1: issues are Yeah. Concerned. Yeah, so I'd say kind of like my jam is teaching parents how to use like positive approaches, like reward systems and things yeah. like that yeah. um to combat and really prevent you know, their kids from acting out because, you know, as parents, and I can say this from personal experience, (laughs) um, when you get, you know, overwhelmed, like you go right to the punishment and like punishment is necessary sometimes, but if you rely on it so much, like it just kind of makes the tone of your home more negative. And so I try to give parents kind of, you know, a different perspective so that they can change the overall tone in their home.
0: Yeah. I do. I think that like a lot of us are just so reactionary in yeah. our parenting. Yeah. Which I don't know, it's like a double edged sword, right? You know, like we're so overwhelmed or we're like busy and you're just like trying to get to the next thing, but trying to slow it down is Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. So beneficial.
1: Yeah, yeah, I always say like so we're going to spend the effort anyways, right? And right. I try to use like the 80/20 rule cuz sometimes yeah. we fall into that like, you know, 80% of what we're doing is like reacting yeah. and like more like 20% is like the proactive, preventative. But if you you're you're still going to spend one. the effort, you yeah. might as well flip it so that most of your effort is in that kind of prevention mode and then yeah. it's more enjoyable. But you know, people are like, "Oh, but it's so hard to do X, Y, and Z." But yeah. if do those things, like you're going to spend the effort anyways, you might as well spend it doing something that isn't like driving you nuts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you help parents with is picky eaters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So as a- <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of listeners out there have either encountered this or are encountering this. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of kids
1: kind of go through these ebbs and flows. It's very normal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, in terms of picky eating, I think you're right. Most parents, yeah. most of us, go through this, yeah. and um, it's so. For example, like my own son. So when he was, um, it was funny because when he first started eating solid foods, he just like loved everything. Yeah. And then it literally was like on a specific day. It switched. I still remember the day. This is my daughter. We're like going through this right now. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I think, like, yeah.
0: Like what know, happened
1: to you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, one day I'm like in a rush and I like give him, I think it was like eggs or something. He was maybe one. Yeah. And he used to eat eggs, no problem. And I yeah. give him eggs and he just, like, you know, flat Absolutely out, not. no way. Like, why would I ever eat this? And I was like, huh. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I just went on. And then it just like kind of was this like domino effect from there. Yeah. And so – um and I kind of initially just, you know, as a parent, you're like, well, kids go through stages, right? And right. so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to try to go with the flow and see what happens. And, you know, we initially, we, we've, we got to this point, and this is really funny to think about now, where he, you know, in order to help him eat what we were eating, let's say for dinner, yeah. I, I found that if he liked hummus, so yeah. I would put our dinner in the blender with hummus, and then he would just eat it. Like we got to that point. I was just like, anything, I don't even care, you know? You and just have to eat. Just eat, you know? Yeah. And so, but yeah, no, Um. so I have, uh, you know, and behavior analysts, they they work with parents about things right. like picky eating. And in fact, we work in more extreme situations um, a lot of times. So for example, kids with autism. Sometimes they take picky eating to a different level. So they have like a lot of sensory stuff going on as well. Yeah, exactly. So they might eat like only French fries and like (laughs) only French fries from McDonald's. Right. And so that's the type of situation we come into. Most of the most of the parents of, you know, that probably of your listeners and. Yeah. Typically developing kids, you know, it's more – it's a little bit less extreme. But a lot of the things um, that, you know, I would initially do with parents, they're very applicable um, to parents of typically developing kids who just might be a little bit picky.
0: Yeah. So, like, my son, I joke he – he's nine, and I joke that I just water him and he grows. (laughs) He's just not interested in food. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like. He eats because he has to, not because he really wants to. And then there's like the picky eating on top of that. So what do you kind of do to help in those kind of situations.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say is this and different people approach this topic in in different ways. Yeah, Um, But the reality is most of our kids grow out of this, right? And so no matter what you choose to do, like try, it it can be a thing where you start to feel that mom guilt or dad guilt, you know, I I feel like as moms, we we wear the guilt a lot more and we're like, oh, you know, what what am I going to do? And, you know, so, Just know this. Most kids eventually will eat a variety of foods by the time they're adults. Most of them won't have any sort of like nutritional deficit. It's going to be okay no matter what you do. So I like to say that. And sometimes parents are so busy that they just, you know, have to in the moment feel like they just need to accommodate. Like, you don't want to eat that? Fine, you know? So that's the first thing I like to say is like, you need to do you yeah. no matter what. Don't feel guilty about that. So. Right. But if you do want to use an approach to try to like expand what your kids are eating, I have a few different like strategies, if you will. So the first thing I want to say is this. Um, Be really careful. And this is not rocket science. A lot of this isn't. Be really mindful about snacks. Right. It's because kids, they will, you know, because a lot of times when when we're talking about picky eating, it's meal time. Right, yeah. so um your kids are starving, and twenty their- minutes before dinner time, yep exactly and <laughs> twenty minutes after dinner, right yeah, yeah. because they don't want to eat what you're preparing, so they figured it out <laughs> exactly exactly, and that was kind of what was happening if I think back with my son a little bit as well. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't I wasn't at the point where I was making separate meals for him when he was that, that young age and he was picky. Um, but you know, I wasn't I wasn't making a separate meal for him, but I you know, I was like, you know, it would be maybe an hour later and I was giving him alternatives. So if given the option, kids are gonna fill up on snacks, right. especially on the carbs and on the snacky food. So, right. you know, and so if your kids are really picky, you just wanna be kind of mindful of, you know. Having more scheduled snack times, you know, let's say, and I'm not talking about the really young kids here, but, you know, kids most of the time, they need like maybe one snack between breakfast and lunch and yeah. one snack between lunch and dinner, right? right? And so making sure and trying to ensure that that snack has some sort of protein and is filling um, is helpful. And then there might be certain foods that you tell your kids um, that are available, like, all the time. So a lot of people, what they like to do is have a drawer in, you know, their cupboard and maybe a drawer yeah. in their fridge of the go-to snacks, and then you can decide what goes in there. What I typically say is, you know, I in, in mine, I try to put, like, fruits and vegetables and things like that, like, things that if my kids fill up on that and then they don't eat their dinner, I mean, who's going to really be upset? that their kids like ate too many carrots and now they're not eating lasagna or something. Right. 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 And so, um, you know, so during snack time, try to have some sort of protein and then, you know, you, you can have, if, if kids are, I'm never saying like, don't feed your kids who are hungry. So have kind of a place where you have certain snacks that if your kids do fill up on that between meals, you're not going to be brokenhearted and they're getting, you know, nutritious food. Um, and you kind of mentioned like
0: that this happened you know, to do this at certain ages. What kind of ages do you feel like this flips where we need yeah. these more structured
1: snack yeah. times? Um, Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think with really young kids, you're deciding everything pretty much, right? Um, And we'll talk about choices in a second. But for really young kids, you know, you're kind of making these decisions. And then once kids are, you know, more in the toddler years, they can start to make some choices. So you're going to probably offer between like one or two things, you'll offer some choices. And then, as kids are more in like the elementary years, then you might have like the rule the drawer, yeah, the drawer, right. Yeah. And then, but here's the deal because you have a nine year old, right? Yeah. Once your kids are getting to an older age of like the preteen years. You have to start, obviously, to, you know, you're not going to tell your 12-year-old, no, you can't have that for snack, right? So you have to right. kind of start to shift some of that responsibility to them. Um, so you're right. It totally depends on the age of, of the child. But if you're talking about more of, like, the elementary age child, yeah, I would say having, you know, um, trying to encourage, so like, when my kids get home from school, for example, I, uh, well, they still have Halloween candy, which is fine. Yeah. If, if they, I, I was like, have a piece of Halloween candy. That's fine. But I want you to have some something with like a protein, you know, and then if you're still hungry, a fruit with snacks. So I try to create that like structure for them. The balance. Yeah. That balance for them. So and I'm curious, are any of your kids um, – so you said your nine-year-old's picky. What about your other two?
0: So then I have Beatrice who just turned three. Yeah. And Josie's about to turn two, and I joke that like the girls, they'll ju- they're just like garbage disposals; like they'll eat anything. Um, now that B has turned three, she's getting a little bit more picky. Um, but they're like teenage boys. Like they will eat me out of house at home. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, you know, okay, at what age do you start having some of like these structured times or like, you know, how do I kind of create these boundaries with food where it's not like I'm starving you or I'm making like these food issues, you know, because I also don't want it to be this don't eat thing. Um yeah, yeah. So it like this point. like big like,
1: balance girls right yeah, yeah.
0: where um you but, like know, they're so hungry and so I'm like I, I'm making like yeah. three breakfasts and I'm like you guys are two and three years old like I can't keep up with this and we got stuff to do we gotta get out here, you know, so I'm like, you know time money, like this is nuts <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yes. what do you do with this? so I have yeah. like the very extremes I feel like where when Oliver was growing growing up or still is growing up. Yeah. I joke that I water him and yeah, he just like doesn't care. Um and I did I was a single parent for a while with him. And so I would just like make him the chicken nuggets that he wanted for dinner because it was easier. And like, you know, I didn't have to make a whole meal for whole family. Um so I could like cater more to him and what he wanted. Um now with the girls they'll eat anything, but they will fill up on the snacks before dinner. And then 30 minutes
1: after dinner, they're hungry again. And you're like, this is driving me crazy. Yeah. So if you find, so I would say this. So first of all, it's good. It's a really good point that it depends where you are in your life. Sometimes we're just in survival mode and again, kind of going back to the no guilt. Yes. if you are just trying to survive, you just give your kid those chicken nuggets and move on. Just like on. didn't care. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, yeah. I bought but, the organic ones.
0: They yes, were like there you go.
1: from McDonald's. It was fine. <laughs>
0: yes, it,
1: it was totally fine. And yeah. fine. But no, I would say with your, with your daughters and if any of your listeners find themselves in a specific situation where it's yeah. kind of becoming an issue of like, I'm just, I feel like a chef, <laughs> constantly like just answering kids who are hungry, you know, creating that boundary that, you know, after we have dinner. Yeah, that's that then the kitchen is closed. So let's get right. let's get full off of dinner. Right. Or, you know, and again, you might you you might adapt that like, you know, 30 minutes for before bed, I'll give you a snack of X, Y or Z if you want. But yeah. you can kind of create that boundary with them. And, you know, I, I think like with a it's a little harder if you have with your two year old isn't going to understand that as much. But as the kids are developing language, they're start, going to start to you know understand. But even if you can't explain it to your two year old, As long as they start to understand by through experience primarily, right? And so, you know, you say, sorry, it's not available, you know. She will like she is my hard one. (laughs) It's like,
0: no way, I'm not taking no for an answer. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Which like, you know, they will pick healthy options. She will eat an entire thing of yogurt, Mm -hmm. you know. But I'm like, yeah, but now I have to go to the grocery store again tomorrow. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Wait,
0: the entire thing of yogurt on day one, you know. So you're just like, oh my goodness, how to keep up with these
1: hungry girls. (laughs) Yeah, I think you could start kind of small, like, if you feel like it's excessive, where your current situation, right, you could start small. And like, you know, again, you might have a snack after dinner, that's totally fine. But then that's the only snack you offer. And it's more on a, you know, timed basis, like, okay, it's part of our structure and routine that after we get our pajamas on before we brush our teeth, I offer you a snack, and then they can decide. I think that that's totally fine, but it's kind of creating that system and that structure and that schedule so that you're not constantly feeling like you're just, you know, that that's your sole purpose in life is to feed them. (laughs) right? It's hard sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a second point is, you know, it it kind of ties to with some of the stuff we've been talking about is as kids get older, allowing them to have choice in the matter. Kids don't have very much control in their life, especially as they're younger. So giving them, you know, if they can participate in some of the meal planning. So as you're like making your grocery list and say like, oh, you know, what what meal do you want me to make this? You want mom? To make this week? Do you want me to make spaghetti and have them, you know, yeah. kind of participate? Um, and then, same thing with snack, you know, do you want this or do you want this? Creating choices, very simple choices can. Yeah especially young kids. Some of your you know your kids are like toddler age. Yeah. They can't have infinite number of choices. That's overwhelming. But if you give them a choice between two or three things, yeah. um, that can be really helpful and can give kind of that power back to them. Because again, kids don't have a lot of power. So sometimes this is a way that they exert their control because yeah. they can. Nobody's going to force them to eat anything. How would you even do that, right? <laughs> and so they, they're trying to gain some of that power back. So giving it to them in a free way of like you have these choices can be really helpful.
0: Yeah. I like the two options. Yeah, I'll just like literally like hold them up with my hands and it's like, here you go. Yeah. And you want this
1: hand or this hand? (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah. Um, And then another thing you can do, and so this is something that we've kind of like instituted in our home and Some people aren't on board with this, which is again totally fine. But what we have a rule is that like our kids need to try a bite of everything. And I try, I try not to. make things that they hate. And if there's something that they hate, they can opt out. Like my son hates avocados and (laughs) he's tried them a bunch of times and he still hates them. I'm not going to make him eat them. Okay. But in general, you know, like I have a rule of, you know, and some people would say, oh no, that's not good. But I think the research shows that kids have to try things a lot of times before they begin to like them. And so um, just by saying like, you know, you have to eat at least a bite of everything, not finish your plate. You know, that's kind of more maybe the world that we grew up in, but that's not, you know, what parents um, are being encouraged to or or should be encouraged to do. But still, you know, saying like, you know, that's what we do. We try a bite of everything, you know, as part of the meal. Um, And it, you know, and for my kids, it's not such a big deal. They're like, okay, well, I don't, I just try it. And then, I'm, you know, if I don't want to eat it, nobody's going to make me. Yeah. I know we, we do the one bite rule and then I
0: feel like with the three-year-old, it's becoming a thing where like, she's over dinner time. She's ready to go. And I'm like, okay, three more bites and then you can get down. And so kind of like setting that limit as well
1: like something that we do in our home too yeah yeah, that's a good so or, like... so one thing you can do too to give them back some of the power Yeah, is like what I tell my daughter because she'll be like okay I think I'm done or you know and she hasn't eaten anything and it's right. gonna the same thing where she's hungry right. so I'm like well how about this why don't you make a pile like so then I don't have to tell her she has to have three bites I'm like you decide on like and I might encourage her to add a little bit more to her pile but right. I'm like make a pile of what you can eat and then then you can be done with dinner so then you right. feel like you know she'll make then she again, she gets some of that control back, but yeah. she knows she needs to eat a little bit more, and she can decide how much. Yeah. Um, and that can be that can be helpful as well.
0: And I think that like kind of letting them dictate some of these portion controls is healthy, you know, it is. because like looking back to when we were all growing up, and it was you know you had to finish everything on your plate. Well, are you establishing unhealthy eating habits that way? Because maybe I was actually full. <laughs>
1: And right. now I'm overeating. Right, right, right. So it's you know like that I mean? you know mindfulness and intuitive yeah. eating of like learning to eat when you're hungry and giving yeah. kids the ability, you know, to start to th- or you know encouraging them to start to think through: are they hungry or not hungry? Yeah. Um, I think that that is very true. And then on the flip side, you know, food is one of those things, especially if you're, you know, it's true for raising boys, but especially raising girls, it's a tricky thing. Yeah, because it really anxiety is. is putting so much pressure, you know, um, in terms of like dieting and looking a certain way and all that. So just always trying to be mindful of that as we're like, you know, talking especially to our daughters about food and not talking about, Oh, if I eat too much of this, then I, Oh, my body that or whatever. So just being really cognizant about that, I think is really important. Yeah. So, and then like one thing also that, um you know, you can do, and I, um you know, we use this and maybe in more extreme situations. So, um and by the way, if, if any of your listeners have a, a pretty extreme situation where they feel like their kids aren't, um you know, eating enough food or, yeah. or whatnot, they should go ask their pediatrician. But yeah. if it's kind of more of a middle of the road of just really picky eating, they could develop some sort of like reward system where, you know, if their kids, like, let's say their kids don't eat any vegetables, which is pretty common, right? (laughs) Um, You could set up some sort of reward system. And this can be a little bit controversial. um, So I'll talk to that in a second. But, um, you know, so you set up a reward system that if you eat, you know, X amount of your, try like eat two carrots, let's say, then, um, you know, and you might have some sort of candy or reward initially. Okay. And, um, so that can be really successful in getting kids kind of used to eating some of those less preferred foods. Um, and uh, and actually, so if your listeners want, I have a free guide that they can download about using reward systems. And this is, you know, with food, you can incorporate a reward system. Um, so they can go to prismbehavior.com forward slash free guide, P-R-I-S-M behavior.com forward slash free guide to learn about implementing Behaviors or uh, reward systems with kids of different ages. Yeah. And I'll link that in this podcast as awesome. well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, using some sort of reward. And again, you kind of want to save it for those special situations where yeah. if your kids are more, you know, extreme of like, I don't eat vegetables, you know, that could be something that you start to incorporate to encourage them to try different vegetables um, and things like that. Um, and so, you know, and there's a lot of research to back up that. That will increase if done, you know, correctly. That will increase the variety of foods that can eat, and that can be really helpful. So, but you
0: think that that's kind of (laughs) controversial.
1: I okay, so I say that because there is kind of this ride of um, parents. So, whereas, like, the generation we grew up in, it was I like, know. you know, the more you do what I say because I say, yeah. and now we've kind of swung and don't get me started because I, I know. <laughs> you know it's this accommodative parenting which yeah. again, you know everybody has to do what they feel is right, but then at the same time, you know I do see where there's situations where let's say people are allowing their let's say five-year-olds to sleep in their beds, which which is fine if that's what you want. but I do find in certain circumstances I talk to parents and they're like they feel trapped. Because yeah. people are like you know, this this sense of like accommodative parenting of like that's how they should, that's how they show their kids love. Yeah. Um and but they they feel trapped like, okay, well, but I I I want my kids to sleep in their own room. How do I how do I accomplish that? You know, or or whatnot. So there's this, you know, sense of what how to be the the loving parent. And that's more, you know, accommodating these days rather than the structure and the boundaries. It's really interesting,
0: like kind of watching like modern parenting and like how it's evolved and you know like we have so much research and different opinions and exactly. different stuff going on right now and like trying to figure out all right but what works best for me and my
1: family exactly you can go down that google rabbit hole <laughs> google is no good sometimes for sure and yeah. you know i think that um, kids are very resilient in general and um, uh, you know, no matter what you do, as long as you show them love and affection, they are going to turn out just fine in general, right? And so whether yeah. you have either approach is okay, but it's more about like, I want to empower parents that, you know, they can do, if they do want to set the boundaries, it's okay too, you know, so they have to do what's best for them. Yeah. So that's kind of the approach I typically take. Yeah, no, I love that.
0: And Heather, where can my
1: uh, listeners and followers find you? Awesome. Yeah. So um, on, uh, I have a website. That's the, you know, I have yeah. video blogs and things like that. So prismbehavior.com, yeah. P-R-I-S-M behavior.com is my website. Um, I'm yeah. just prismbehavior on Instagram. And um, yeah, those are probably the two best ways. And then my podcast is Prism Parenting. Yeah. So go subscribe to that podcast, go listen to Heather,
0: and thank you so much for joining us. Thank Um, you so much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. Cheers, Heather. Yeah. Did you enjoy this episode? Please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review, and be sure to tell your friends. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mimosas with Moms, and you can email me at the number 2mimosamoms at gmail.com.